Welcome back to Adulthood Friends. This is the discussion-based podcast where two former childhood acquaintances, now friends, discuss the things that adverb Simone. Holistically. 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 That's a fantastic adverb and very related. Yeah. The things that holistically matter. (laughs) Holistically. It's your adverb of the week. And I'm Aya. I'm Josh. And today we have... Yeah, and there's Simone, as you heard, and she's back for another episode. Part two. Part two of healthcare. So episode episode. 40, what is it? 48? 48. Yes, yes, it is. So thanks for coming on again, Simone, uh, two weeks in a row or, you know, two hours in a row. Whatever. We're going to pretend this is two weeks in a row. Right. Yes, yes, yes. yes. For the listeners, it might be. Yeah. I mean, whatever makes them happy. Can't be that bad. Let's get into this. Let's get into this. Back. Oh, so good to be oh, back, Aya. Back. Oh, yeah, don't you, you love every it. Time. Is it? Every time. She says it every time. No. It's good to be back every time. <laughs> Simone, it's good to be back, right? Yes, oh, for sure. See, Simone agrees. It's great to be back. Simone is just being nice to you, but that's okay. Yeah, I'll take it. It's, it's nice. It, it balances out me being mean. Yeah, Simone stuff. is being, you should try sometime, Aya. Fuck off. <laughs> I will not. I refuse to try that. Okay, so we're, uh, healthcare, what were we talking about? Healthcare. Let's just jump right back into it. Yeah. I just don't understand if you're paying taxes, we've all agreed that taxes are a thing, right? That we should repay. Yeah. Shouldn't that be the number one thing? <laughs> but, I'm just saying in general, oh, like, isn't I, the, I shouldn't that be the number one thing taxes go to? I don't understand. Josh, you're so Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> no, but honestly, the Republican states don't, they don't pay those taxes. No, but they pay taxes. They just put it towards the military. They've agreed they, to pay taxes. They, they just put it towards other things. Yeah, they, they pay taxes, but they pay a lot less tax. Yeah, it's not the same. As sort same. of, to be honest, though. Well, for a, like upper brackets of, of, I'm pretty sure people who Upper brackets, paid, yes. But that's where most of the money comes from. Well, that's what I was saying. Richer people can and should pay more. Because again, that's, but a lot of people uh, don't agree with that. That's, well, of that's, course, when you're rich, you don't want to pay more money. But most people aren't rich, so right. But enough. But, but yeah, that's where the big money comes. <laughs> from. No, the problem is that they've convinced a lot of people. I don't know if you heard this before. They don't see themselves as poor. They see themselves as temporarily not rich. Oh, I haven't heard that. You know what I mean? Like they see that they're going to be rich someday and they don't want to have to deal with that. So they'll go against their own interests. I think that that must be an LA thing. No, (laughs) I haven't heard a lot of that here. LA is kind of the most like California is kind of the most Canada of the US. Yeah. Yeah. If that makes sense. We have a lot more systems here and also a lot of tax. And Yeah. I mean, yeah. New York is also a state Mm. that you know, tends to it's more liberal minded area of New York City tends to have more liberal views on things like that. I didn't know I was going to become so liberal. I don't know. I and I have talked about this. I didn't realize, <laughs> you know, I, I turns out that just my views, I guess, are very progressive. But like, yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's interesting because it some people just follow their family, like their the yeah. views they were given and some people kind of. Yeah. I mean, you just kind of learn it from. I think from sometimes from your experiences, but I think having a sense of empathy and the bigger your sense of empathy changes a lot of, I don't know, I think those more progressive views. Are you saying that Republicans are I'm saying they have less empathy. Horrible and unempathetic people. (laughs) I'm saying they have less. I'm thinking it's a less empathetic. It's a more fear-based kind of belief system. There is some merit to that too, but I prefer the empathetic you know, we all have to take care of each other kind of a thing. I mean, obviously, it's better for everybody to be altruistic and empathetic. But even for the people who are really cynical, like if you really looked at it logically, it would make more sense for you to look after the people who are working for you. 
right? Mm-hmm. You know? That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, you're appealing. <laughs> Let's appeal to those jerks too, without yeah. the people who are cleaning for you, the people who are like doing your gardening and like all of this stuff. Yeah, you know that person has a heart attack and can't afford to go to the hospital. It all comes back. Yeah, it all comes They're, back to you. They can't do that work for you, and you're gonna have yeah. to hire yeah. somebody that you have to pay more. <laughs> Because they're legal. That's a great Simone. You you should be a politician. Like you could you figured out a way to appeal to make that appealing to the she's too smart. She's too know, smart she's to be a politician. Too. Well, maybe we need smart <laughs> ones. That's the I problem. I'm, I'm not some smart cutthroat enough, I think. You're like a nice person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, obviously empathy is a you know, it's an ideal, but like again, those progressive values, a lot of that for me comes from that first and foremost, you know, issue of healthcare. Yeah. The number one, again, if you ask me the number one thing the taxes should address is something taxes don't address here in America is, is healthcare, right? That it should be like healthcare. You guys aren't great with education either. Education is number two, in my opinion. <laughs> Those two things, for some reason, seems obvious, everyone's, but, you know, yeah. it seems obvious, but it's not obvious to a lot of people here. I do think it's also a sense of, it's not having a worldly sense understanding what the rest of the world is like, you know, people who live in one place only see it as the center of the universe and the way things are there, they imagine are the way things should be. It's hard to imagine that the way things are, aren't the way that they should be. It's very uncomfortable to think this, right? If you think that the place that you live is the best, then thinking that the system that you have isn't the best at all. Especially if you grow up being told that. It maybe causes some issues for people. Yeah, if you grow up being told, you know, everyone here gets told America. America is all about freedom and freedom is the best. And people internalize that as part of their identity. So it actually feels like an attack on their identity if you start telling them our systems are problematic. Especially you. You're coming in and they're like, you're not even real American. For the record, I am American. I'm a dual citizen. (laughs) (laughs) For those who keep saying, that to me but i feel like i do have well, a just, unique perspective I'm saying on that. that's what they would say to you is like you're not a real american look at you with your divided loyalties s- defending the canadian system uh, yeah divided loyalties yeah. so i just mean like that's why they would probably feel even more attacked like how dare you come here and criticize yeah. my no no because then i just go i'm american you know and then yeah. they have to agree because oh okay. you know i show them my citizenship and you're like i'm free to be american simone i apologize i told you i was going to get really ranty about the american system here but that's just I don't know. It's, it's, I I think it's the most important thing. And again, I wanted to talk to you about this too, because I know it's not black and white. I know it's not lacking that nuance of Canada, for example, has its issues and the system there has its issues. Yeah. I mean, being second last in the ranking of, (laughs) of high income countries in terms of healthcare system is not like, Oh, it's not last. It's second last. No, Canada is second last. I know. I know. What's the last one? Yes. You guys. (laughs) Oh no. I thought you meant, I thought you meant second last to developed countries with public health care systems you mean just developed countries oh no no no. second last developed yeah yeah yeah. so that's on indices i don't again this was in med school so the stats may have changed since then but of like the 15 top you know oecd countries whatever that stands for Canada tends to rank second last on things like maternal mortality and infant mortality and wow those things. Right. And America's like last. And the U.S. tends to rank last. Do you know what my theory is about huh. that for Canada's ranking? <laughs> yeah. My theory is it's because Canada is right next to the U.S. So Canada. So the gets, Americans about to like have it, no well issues or we take on a lot of. Oh. It gets like people like my dad who really look up to the system in America, you know, to the south, where you get a lot of the even though Canada has a different system. It starts 
getting caught up in the middle a little bit between America, the way America does stuff and the way they were trying to do things. And you get a kind of wishy-washy version of what's happening in the rest of the world. Yeah, I mean, and whether it's because of the American system or whether it's because we just took a flawed system and ran with it mm -hmm. and kind of haven't tried to change it yeah. sufficiently or, you know, some of the outcome markers, like I've heard arguments that like, you know, for the infant mortality, for example, that because we try to save more, oh. like we're trying to deliver people earlier, like we're doing higher risk procedures, things right. like that to save whatever, perhaps it's affecting uh, the stats that affects the stats a bit. But that's, I'm sorry, I don't remember all the stats. I should have looked them up. But there are no, things but... that like don't make sense mm -hmm. in that argument. And and again, you're not comparing it to like Africa. Yeah, that's what <laughs> I don't get. Like, isn't the same stuff happening? You're comparing it to like Sweden and Norway, UK and Germany. Wouldn't they also be doing high-risk procedures exactly. to save everyone possible? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, so we're not the only people in that group of 15 countries that do advanced research and cutting edge, whatever medical care. So yeah, it's, mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of things that are somewhat problematic yeah. in our healthcare system. And unfortunately, even though we like probably 50% or more of the Ontario budget is going to healthcare, and that number is just like projected to increase mm -hmm. the cost of providing healthcare to everybody. But if you're funding an inefficient system, then you are spending a lot of money. You gotta be more efficient. Yeah. Without, you know, and you're just needing more money all the time. Right. And then when you look at ways to cut, like, I forget how many years ago it was, but at one point they cut a bunch of nurses at hospitals like mm -hmm. uh, all over the place. Right. And so each nurse was left looking after more patients on average and like with more of the burden of work on average. That seems crazy. How about like lower the the, <laughs> the salary of like a CEO of a hospital? Don't they make like crazy amounts of money? Yeah. Or? So they made, there seemed to be a lot of admin in any given hospital and it's possible that they're making the system run more efficiently, but I don't know anything about their job description. Okay, I, don't know. I can't really I, I shouldn't say I'm, um, I'm more comfortable talking about things I don't know but, anything about. Yeah. <laughs> I should be, yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, they cut a bunch of nursing staff, right? And then that's craziness. And then you had the pandemic, and like none of the issues that we're having in the pandemic are really new issues, right? Like shortage of nursing staff, shortage of hospital what? beds, shortage of ICU space in influenza season and things like that. Those it's are really issues. emphasizing those issues now, though, Every right? Year. Like we're now yeah. it's now making those issues front and center, right? Yeah. So we we've unmasked the problem. Problem. Is that a pun that you? No, oh, oh. no, it wasn't <laughs> intended to be a pun, but I guess I don't know. It works. It, it works. Maybe <laughs> you know people are seeing now the issues with people waiting, you know, yeah. a long time in the merge, or there, you know, no beds for people to go into, and it's like a major regional issue, like the whole province, rather than just one any given center at any given time. But like I remember in residency, we had there was one really bad bad flu season. I think it was in the second year. And the ICU was like full of elderly influenza patients because <laughs> mm. they all, there were a number of nursing homes that were kind of near to that 
the university hospital. And so there were a few outbreaks. And so there are a lot of people in the ICU from the flu and they overflowed into what's called the CSRU, which is like the cardiac surgery recovery unit. So it's ICU level beds with ventilator capacity and everything and ICU nurses, but it's supposed to be for cardiac surgeries. But this happened to be over the winter break where they have like an OR shutdown. So they're not doing as many planned surgeries. <laughs> and so it's okay. Yeah. Right. Which reminds me a little bit of COVID where like, well, yeah, we'll just pl- shut down elective surgeries and then we'll have space <laughs> in the hospital and yeah. then it'll be okay. But it's not okay. <laughs> yeah. For like two years, you can't just shut down all the electric surgeries. Yeah. By the way, you're saying this like it's a, just a general, like this is how it works. Most people have no idea. Yeah. That was an average. That was just like some winter where, you know, the flu shot happened mm-hmm. to not have worked particularly well for the strain of flu that was circulating. And so uh, people got really sick and there were outbreaks. Right. So like co-opting something that was for a specific purpose for something that pops up is not a good system to have in place. No, basically. you shouldn't. Like everything no. should depend on that. Because then, yeah. So then, That's... you know, at the end of the OR shutdown yeah. for the holidays. And now where do you put those yeah. 10 people who are taking up ICU? Like then you need ICU beds. Yeah. The yeah. rest of the hospital is also full of patients with influenza. Yeah. And now you have an outbreak or two on the floor. Mm. And, you know. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of COVID and Again, a lot of these things are obvious, I know, to you, a lot of these answers, but I have a number of people that I know who are still, you know, they still don't really trust what they've heard about COVID and the vaccines and stuff like that. And I remember talking to you about this and your experiences, and I would tell them what you told me the last time we hung out to try to convince them that this is, you know, as serious as it is. And I've also, not just you, but I've talked to my brother who, I think I've told you, my brother's a nurse. Yeah, I know. I interacted, like I encountered him when I was, I forget if oh, it was really? a resident or a staff. At, oh, that's cool. Vic at that time. I think oh, he's been, I think you brought that up like, actually. Home care stuff, but. Yeah, he's not, yeah. at the time he was, now he's working yeah. at the OR type stuff. You know, I would obviously talk to my brother and he'd be like, oh my God, like all the beds are filled up everybody's it's crazy you know this is very serious and then I talked to somebody who doesn't know any person who works in the medical field and they just don't believe it they don't listen they don't believe it so just for like the record now that we have you here and we're talking to you during you know the worst of COVID like what was your experience with people coming in with COVID vaccinated or unvaccinated what did you see just honestly speaking I mean so maybe I'll start by going back like before we actually had a vaccine okay okay because Windsor was pretty bad in it was I think still classified as the second wave at that point I don't even remember anymore but it was sort of so we're in like the sixth now so how (laughs) going into the season where we were starting to get the vaccines because that's why Windsor actually ended up with some earlier because they were like famous nationwide for how many COVID cases we had in Windsor unfortunately it was just like the whole like everybody came in if they came in with COVID you know we had some treatment options then but it seemed like even then, I mean, yes, some people got better, but it seemed like some people got better, some people got worse, and some people died, and you couldn't really do anything about it necessarily. Mm-hmm. And people would come into hospital and, you know, they wouldn't be having symptoms of COVID and they might have come in for a completely different reason. And then they got cohorted with somebody who ended up having COVID and then they got COVID. And so the the whole hospital was just like outbreak after outbreak and like people got moved around all the time to be on the COVID ward, not be on the COVID ward. And you'd have really vulnerable, you know, people who are being treated with immunosuppressing agents Mm -hmm. and they're in a ward room. 
and then somebody else has COVID and then they start coughing and they end up on oxygen. You're like, oh my God. You're and you place. just get overwhelmed, right? Yeah. So, you know, early on the hospital wasn't allowing any visitors at all for anybody. And so you'd have somebody come in who, when they came into the emergency department, like they were a little bit short of breath, you know, by the time Emerge had consulted you and you'd seen the patient, they were on like 10 liters of oxygen. And then overnight they're on high flow oxygen. They're maxed out on high flow oxygen. And then you're calling their family two days later to being like, I'm sorry, they died. And the family hasn't seen any of that journey, right? When they sent them to the hospital, they were okay. They weren't allowed to visit or anything. Yes, they weren't allowed to visit at that point at all. And so many families had a lot of questions and a lot of like, they were fine when they went to that. Like, what did you do to them? (laughs) They died, right? And they just can't, they didn't see that progression of illness where like, you know, this is just what happens with COVID. If it doesn't get better with the medications we give them or they're, we're too late with the medications we give, that's what happens. And this is before we had the vaccine. That's before we had the vaccine. And obviously, you know, for people who were willing to be intubated, you know, if they're getting worse, obviously we would try to intubate them rather than just trying to maintain them. But some of those people also, you know, are so bad when you try to intubate them that they just crump as soon as you intubate them. Mm. Or they end up intubated then for, sorry, they deteriorate rapidly, Mm. you know, when, when you intubate them. And intubating itself is like a really aggressive, like not aggressive, but like, that's a very invasive procedure in a way, right? You know, the average length of stay on a ventilator for somebody who's intubated for COVID pneumonia is probably two weeks or more. And many of those people ended up paralyzed and prone. And so they end up. And there's with, blood clot issues and stuff too, right? Yeah. Oh, there's all, yeah. There's all sorts of other things that happen. Like, and you have, told me about something. Blood clots. And I forgot the name now. Tracheostomy. Yeah. That was it. Tracheostomy yeah. that I felt was mildly traumatizing. They get somebody off a ventilator. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you've had a tube in for more than two weeks, then you start to get, you know, degradation and like breakdown in your skin around your mouth. And it's also hard to, to wean people off the ventilator at times. And the tracheostomy can actually help with that. Mm-hmm. And we do that for people who are intubated for other things as well. It's not that that's unique to COVID. Yeah. It's just. Was this a rare occurrence though at the time or was it happening? Like how much were you seeing tracheostomies? Oh, no, no, not the specifics of that, but it just means incubations for COVID. Or just are people coming in that were seriously ill from COVID? A lot of people, and a lot of people would come in who were okay, and then all of a sudden they're sick. Like all of a sudden they're on maxed out on their oxygen, and then we try and keep them on the high flow for as long as possible, and then they end up intubated. And that was was that filling up the beds, or are they filling Absolutely. up the- on the medicine beds? On at that point, so. There was, uh, well, there still are, I guess, technically what they call alternate funding plans for COVID teams. So instead of as a physician billing what we call fee for service, so you bill per patient per encounter type of thing. So each patient I see each day, I submit something to the government saying I saw this patient for this issue, et cetera. They would pay a flat rate per hour, basically. If on a medicine floor, you had more than 60% COVID positive or probable patients. And so for a time, so... More recently in Windsor, they've run that as like a COVID team where, you know, one physician has 12 or 15 patients or something like that who are COVID positive or probable and is looking after them. So for a while in that second wave before vaccines were widespread in Windsor, it was literally all of the medicine services. So that that was at that time two plus potentially an overflow service at each site. And so that's basically four to six physicians at any given time for internal medicine. Plus another, probably I think the hospitalist as well. So 
that's another two to three physicians at each site for the mm -hmm. hospice. We're all on that alternate funding plan because the entirety of the medical service had at least 60% COVID positive or probable at any given time, right? I don't know, Simone. <laughs> it sounds to me like it's still kind of a hoax. So that was pre-vaccine, okay? <laughs> that was so then pre fast forward to like this fall, for example, okay? So this fall, our cases are picking up and I work in chat on my work, like in the level two ICU, which is not supposed to have ventilated patients, but can take like sicker patients otherwise who need cardiac monitors or need closer continuous oxygen monitoring, things like that are specific infusions. Mm -hmm. And when I'm on call, I also cover the intensive care unit. So in the fall, we started to get people coming in to those two units. So they're the higher level care units in our hospital with COVID <laughs> over and over again. And, you know, there are lots of people with COVID in the hospital and there is a mixture of people to be fair who were vaccinated and unvaccinated in the hospital. But across those two units, we had, I think maybe one or two people total in those months who had been fully vaccinated with at least two doses of the vaccine. Out of how many people? <laughs> like, you can't like, count them. Like. I, I don't know how, like, <laughs> it, you know, we're like just full of COVID for like, probably a solid like month or two at, at level three. yeah like at, at one time we had basically all 10 beds in our level three icu were covid positive ventilated being paralyzed and prone which is like the most you can do for so like 99 percent unvaccinated yes. patients you had at the time coming in with yeah COVID. and the people who were vaccinated we're not like you or me who are otherwise healthy doing clinical trials in, you know, for, for drugs and healthy people <laughs> yeah, right, to yeah. see if they're okay, safe to try in other people. They had issues. Yeah. You know, one of them was severely immunocompromised and the other one had some form of immunocompromise again, that I can think of off the top of my head. Yeah. So basically, even though they were vaccinated, they might not have they had other vaccines or the vaccine might not have really had such a. Yeah, because the vaccine, what it does is it's boosting an immune system. If you don't have an immune system, what's it boosting? Yeah, right? If you don't have an immune system, it's not as effective. And again, there may have been one or two other people that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head who had, you know, underlying lung disease or some other problem that really predisposed them to more complications to start with, who still ended up as a vaccinated person in the intensive care unit. Mm -hmm. But everybody else was unvaccinated. And the vast majority of those people coming in regretted not getting vaccinated. Mm. And it's like, you know, like think of a guy who's like, I think he was 50. He'd actually been on the medicine floor, you know, getting sicker on the medicine floor. So I brought him into the level two unit. You know, I stepped up his medications, you know, to try and prevent him from getting worse. And he was upset because he had wanted to get vaccinated. He was planning to get vaccinated, but like things hadn't been good in his life for a few months. And, and, you know, he not ended up getting vaccinated basically. Yeah. And then later that night, he's intubated in the intensive care unit. We had to send him out to, I don't know if he went to London or Woodstock or we basically, we didn't have space in our ICU because of all the people with COVID. And this is Chatham. Uh, this is Chatham, yes. Yeah, so, so imagine like New York, <laughs> like this so, is Chatham. Yeah, you have how so, many people in Chatham? Uh, well, the Chatham- But it, it also collects from different areas as well. Yes, yeah, right? so we collect, still, like, we're the, kind of the largest hospital between Windsor and London. So it's a large catchment area and Sarnia to the north of us, obviously too. What happened to that guy then? Did he? Well, he, he went off to another hospital and they looked after him, intubated, and they actually repatriated him to us uh, when okay. and our numbers were getting better. And then he died. 
Oh, I didn't think that was going to have a happy ending. Oh, man. I was like, maybe this will be a nice story about. No, so there's so many stories like that where, you know, somebody came in and was like, oh, well, somebody else, you know, my family convinced me not to get vaccinated. And now I feel shitty and I regret that. And I realize Mm -hmm. that this is serious. And then it's too late. And they're like, oh, no, I'm not going to get intubated. It'll be fine. And then they get intubated and then they die oh. over and over again. And, you know, you get to see all, that's, you know, you're seeing all those people coming in. It must be so traumatizing. Yeah. Is that traumatizing for you to see? Yeah. I, I mean, are it, you desensitized it, it, to it? Like, I don't think I'm desensitized. It's very traumatic. And, you know, we, you celebrate the victories, right? Like we yeah, celebrate yeah. the guy who's in hospital for weeks and has underlying lung disease, wasn't vaccinated, but, but manages to pull through even even if he ends up on oxygen, you know, for the rest of his life, at least he pulled through. It's important to point out, like you just said, like people make it out alive, but they might end up on oxygen for the rest of their life or they have, yeah. you know, less lung. What, what do you call it? Capacity. Their capacity. Yeah, capacity like, absolutely. Yeah. You don't get out unscathed. And even in healthy people who managed to not get really sick with COVID, you know, they're they get long COVID. Yeah. Long, yeah. Plenty of people who've had long-term symptoms of COVID or who've had, you know, maybe they only had pneumonia for a few days, but then they try Mm. and go back out to their usual running and they're like, can't breathe. (laughs) Right. Mm. So again, I have friends who even ones who listen to this podcast who won't get vaccinated or who think the, you know, it's not that they don't believe COVID exists, but you know, it's generally a flu and you know, the vaccine, I don't trust it. It hasn't gotten tested enough. They have all those classic beliefs. We have a doctor on right now who is telling you, this is just, this is what you dealt with. Like, this is just reality for what you dealt with. Yeah, right? and you if, know, I haven't been on call in a while. Yeah. And so it may be that we're dealing with this again, because the numbers are going up yeah. again now. But. but in general, it's, un, you said it yourself, like almost all unvaccinated people coming in in the intensive care unit and the serious issues in particular and most of them regretting not getting vaccinated and i'm it just hurts me to hear this so much i mean i get my aunts (laughs) almost out of my family are anti getting the vaccine they won't get my grandmother who's she's got cancer so they won't get her vaccinated i'm like you don't want to get her vaccinated my aunt was like you want her to die i'm like do do you want her to die (laughs) like you know and that's what they there's a, such a strong belief for some reason. It doesn't matter how many months or even years now are passing with this vaccine still. Let me just ask you, like, have you had to deal with anybody coming in sick and dying because they took the vaccine? No. Well, <laughs> absolutely not. There you heard it. Not that it couldn't possibly happen, but yeah. obviously statistically, relatively speaking. So again, we're a community hospital, so we don't have the same volume as like London or Windsor, for example, mm-hmm. in Chatham. Well, Windsor obviously is higher volume, but it's still a smaller center than London or Toronto in Canada or like New York, LA, whatever in the States. And there have been cases in Ontario of people who've developed myocarditis from the vaccine and have died. Right. That's the heart. Con- so, uh, yeah. That's the inflammation in the heart, basically. Yeah. That usually is a temporary thing, right? For yeah, most so, people, right? Yeah. So the rate was quoted, I think it's about one in a hundred thousand for like a specific population of people like maybe it was like younger men as well yeah something like that who cares about that no just (laughs) and then an even smaller percentage of them that died from that yes exactly and so a very small percentage of people die of that and yes you know that's statistics and like you could be that one person but it's more like you you'll be the person who dies from covid exactly exactly and and that's literally what i've been seeing is that 
you know, mm-hmm. all the people I've seen have died of COVID. And you still see young men in that age group dying from COVID yeah. too. Mm-hmm. And those are your two options, basically, because you're going to get exposed to COVID probably at some point, unless you live by yourself, isolated on an island, away from everything and everyone, then I will hear your argument that, you know, I'd rather not have either. Yeah. And I mean, you know, it's true that not everybody who gets COVID gets really sick from it, right? And, yeah, most don't. But even in the setting of variants that, you know, the vaccines don't protect as well against Omicron and the subsequent variants in terms of infection, yeah. in terms of severe infection, where you end yeah. up intubated in the ICU. You're not going to end up in the intensive unit. Yeah. It's still very good protection. Yeah. In the US, what, like a million people now have died from COVID, at least that has been recorded. I remember this country went to war over 3,000 people dying, right? We went to war for decades <laughs> over that, but a million people dying and people going, eh, you know, it's like the flu. It's just, it's not the same, right? It's not. And I mean, at this point, you know, there's not really any hope that we will completely eradicate COVID. No. So the only hope is that as it mutates, it does become it's weaker. Yeah, essentially a virus that's surviving in the population, but because it's not killing as many people, it doesn't make as many people sick. So more like a a regular flu. Not to say that a regular flu doesn't kill people. It does. Like you said, the influenza has killed <laughs> people a bunch. But it's, it is not the same illness. And it's not, you know, COVID was really, really different from anything we've ever seen before in the medical community in terms of just the pattern of illness and like the way people got sick. And yeah. I really appreciate you sharing that with us because yeah, I mean, we've talked a bunch about COVID here and there before, but, but we don't know anything. We're not. We don't know anything. Like we don't, we're just another person. We could have been just getting our results from Google. We're talking to Dr. Mandel here. I mean, you know, the appeal to authority is also a problem, unfortunately, because, yeah. you know, people who believe in the you know, alternative view that, you know, the vaccine is potentially harmful and hasn't been tested enough and ivermectin for the win, Unfortunately, also quote, you know, people of authority. Right. Exactly. They'll be like, they're a doctor. So they're like that guy that was on uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, we're talking about that, that guy. Yeah, the Dr. Malone. Can I tell you something hilarious, by the way? Josh, I know you're going to say the ivermectin thing. No, no, no. I'm not going to say the ivermectin thing. No, that's not what I'm going to say. Actually, no, even Simone was just actually just brought up recently that there's new studies coming out showing that it really wasn't effective at all. I knew. Oh, okay. But I was going to say, I remember when I was at the first clinical trial that I went to, and there was a guy there also at the clinical trial telling me he's like man i don't think the vaccine's been tested enough i'm just i'm not gonna i'm not gonna take this he's thing. doing he's doing and a I'm medical like, trial oh my god you're doing for money <laughs> he's doing a- <laughs> you're literally doing something where you are a human lab rat he's testing drugs on himself right now yeah but no but not the vaccine that could potentially save your life from oh COVID. my god so stupid that's so much I'm of sorry. that stupidity out there that's so dumb i don't know how i, I yeah. don't know how else. so there's a, i'm sure there's but, a nicer way to yeah. say that so that people don't feel alienated and then don't want to get the vaccine because i called them stupid no honestly like even the ivermectin thing right let's say ivermectin did potentially help even if that were the case has this been tested any more than the vaccine has well it's older like in fact 
the clinical trials were smaller. Yeah, I, I mean, from a safety perspective, it has a longer track record because it's a medication that's been around for a long yes, time. Yes, but not in and this. And it's used in animals. Not used in this way. Yeah, absolutely. Not used in that context, which is, you know, the same thing as taking a drug that was studied in healthy people and then studying it in people who have mm. disease, right? You don't know what's going to happen right. in conjunction with the disease. I'm not really the one at risk, probably that much yeah. being a healthy person taking the drug. The question is like, if I'm taking this idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis drug, I'm probably going to be fine. But it, someone with idiopathic pulmonary fibrosis, we got to check out to see how's it going to affect yeah. them. That's yeah. really the question. And it's true that it's possible that you might not be fine, that there might yeah. be something that they missed in the dogs or the cats that humans respond. It was dogs. To. Yeah, they did dogs before. Me. But they didn't kill them afterwards. I hope they didn't kill the dogs. After. Jesus. <laughs> supposed to i thought there was yeah, that's to- insanity i can't believe that guy did that Let them up for adoption or something anyway. yeah i want a cat with a weird thing in their brain uh, anyway I, now i feel like i have to hug my cat just to feel better about this whole oh, cat situation. Oh, my oh my gosh there she is you gonna come visit her anytime it's leonara kitty <laughs> she's creepily looking at you Kitty, I know you're so comfortable right here i just want to oh. give you some oh you're so cute can you say hi I'll give you a treat. And by treat, I mean food because she doesn't actually like treats. She's <laughs> it's the camera over there. There's the camera. Do you have any animals, uh, Simone? No, I don't. Someday I'll get a cat, I think. We're two cats that keep each other company. Two cats keep each other company. Yeah, they're a bonded cat. Oh, yeah, we had this conversation. Yeah. There are bonded cats up for adoption. They're the I just figure out things. I know. They're so cute. They're like sleeping together all like yeah. curled up. It's pretty cute. Yeah. I have to figure out like what I do, like when I'm in Windsor and things like that. But oh yeah. Can I say I really enjoyed when I came back to Canada last time? I think we all went to McDonald's. Yeah. That was super fun. Yeah. We didn't intend to go to McDonald's. Well, we went for sushi. Okay, wait. Can you clarify? Wait, oh, sorry, we sorry, 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 sorry. We went for sushi. Then we decided to get the dessert. And then later, we were trying to go for bubble tea. Yeah, but then we couldn't get. Yeah, it was. We couldn't sit there. Boba, bubble tea, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, we couldn't sit there. So we were like, let's go for McDonald's. And we had McDonald's ice cream. It was really nice. It was nice to get together. Yeah. To you. Yeah, it was very memorable. Really memorable time seeing you guys there together. Yeah. So just to wrap up, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you for well, the COVID stuff, again, talking to a doctor about this, and you are an authority on this, even though there's lots of other doctors out there, I think you're the smartest one. We've already, yeah, we've already established you were the smartest in our class. We've already concluded that you're the smartest. So, so you're, you're probably one of the smartest, smartest ever. Yes. <laughs> well, we've thanks decided. for your confidence. <laughs> yeah. If I were going to have a doctor doing things, I would be like, get me Simone, please. <laughs> like if I, I had a question I, I wanted to ask you, but if it's too personal, if, if you don't want to talk about it, or if you don't want to keep this in, please feel free to tell me. Or, I was getting scared when that. Josh says this. Okay. What? No, <laughs> it's not that. No, it's just it's more personal. It's about, because okay. okay. I remember I asked you this at the time, just regarding uh, your mother, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you said she was fighting uh, cancer. Mm-hmm. And I know I related a lot in the sense that, you know, my, I told you my dad's been fighting cancer for a long time, but I know you're, you know, recently your mother didn't make it. I guess it's coming a little bit out of my own fear too, that I, you know, on any day now, something could happen with my dad as a doctor, as someone who, you know, works and you see, you've seen the worst, you know, a lot of traumatizing things around you. Did it make it easier or harder, you know, in coping after the fact, or I don't know if I'm asking that right, but I was just wondering 
like with knowing the process yeah does that of all that that? stuff I guess I'm curious too from you know because some of my own fears I feel like it would just give you something different to focus on but I don't know that it would would it change any of the other stuff I don't know I mean I don't know sometimes so you know I've been there on the other side where I have somebody whose family is in healthcare who's a nurse or a doctor or something like that and unfortunately sometimes as healthcare providers, we don't look forward to dealing with those families or, or patients as much because it's hard. Sometimes you're very demanding and you're like, well, why aren't you doing this? And what about this test? And so, you know, I kind of tried to not be that person who's like asking all these questions, but at the same time, like you really want to know to understand. And, and if you ask, you know, my mom or, or my stepdad, like they don't tell you the medical language necessarily that, you know, and they don't know all the details that you would get out of a conversation with the doctor. Were you, you, were you dealing with other doctors who are treating your mother? Or were you also a doctor involved basically? Oh no, I wasn't a doctor involved. No, no. Or did you have more questions like you probably understood things better. Yeah. So like, you know, towards that last summer, like the last couple of months, I guess, I think mom was really overwhelmed by what she was hearing and she wasn't sure, like she couldn't really make decisions. Like she just didn't want to, you know, I don't know if she couldn't absorb or understand or she, she just didn't want to be the one saying, oh no, like that's treatment's not going to help me or whatever. They're like the biggest decisions, right? They're the Yeah. So she wanted me or my sister or both of us, if possible, to kind of be involved in, you know, those appointments. I mean, most of them were being done virtually anyway, at that point. And for like, if she was in the hospital, like she would like have her phone or her laptop. And like, so the doctor would kind of talk to us as well. So, yeah, I mean, we, you know, had a chance to ask some of those questions and understand, you know, what their thoughts were. But, you know, they're, it's hard to go through for anybody, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it doesn't really, doesn't help you necessarily to be a a healthcare provider in that scenario, because you're you're still like the family member first, right? And so your ultimate priority is always going to be like, well, what else can you do for my mom to make her feel better or to make her get better? I'd imagine it was comforting, I guess, for her to know that you were, that you're, yeah, you know. Yeah, but in in some ways it might have been easier because, you know, I, I understand what palliative care means or looks like. And I know easier is not the right word. I apologize. I didn't, I didn't. I'm sorry I used that word and made it. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's hard to find another word, I guess. Yeah. You kind of know what to expect, I guess. It's hard because other, you know, my my stepfather would sometimes ask me as so the last few weeks, like I think I was there kind of mid to end of July and she was still eating okay. And then I went back like a weekend after I'd left and like, you know, she was having um she wasn't really eating at all, basically, and she was having trouble getting up the stairs. And then the, the next weekend I was there, she died. So it was just getting worse very quickly. This is in New York? Yeah. And, you know, my stepfather asked me a couple of times along there, like, well, how long do you think she has left? And like, you know, because at the end, like we got her a nurse to be there 24-7. because She died at home. She didn't want to be in hospital. Um, 
none of us could, you know, do all the things that she needed to do because she wasn't really didn't have enough energy um, to get up at all because she's like bleeding into this tumor Mm. and um, not eating anything, etc. So, you know, wanted to know kind of like basically asking me for prognosis. I was like, well, mm. you know, I don't know. Like, like I'm her daughter, not her doctor. I, yeah. Can you, and it, what I, it's got to be hard to do both. What I usually <laughs> tell people in those situations is like, you know, it could be, could be days, could be weeks. Like she's getting better pretty quickly. It's probably not going to be more than a f- couple of weeks, but like, I can't say for sure. Right. Yeah. So, you know, some of that is harder when people are looking to you for answers and you're like, I, yeah. I don't have any answers. And I, right. Yeah. So like, wouldn't it be easier to just be the daughter and not like also a kind of yeah, <laughs> like an occasional doctor? Like, more, it felt like there was yeah. more expectation or something. Yeah. So the hospice, so this is like a home hospice program, which we have a similar thing here in Canada, but you know, the nurse from that program was like, oh yeah, you guys, like it's your job just to be her daughters. Like you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be her doctors. But then like at the very end, when, you know, she was like posturing, like she clearly looks uncomfortable. She's clearly not interacting. And it's like uncomfortable to watch her actively dying. I was like, could she, she have some hydromorphone <laughs> and they're like, Oh, well, you have to call in. Um, Cause the nurse, I guess that's a 24 hour nurse at the bedside can't administer it unless it's officially ordered. And like, even though they have it in their kitchen cupboard, like you have to call the nurse and like talk to them. And maybe most family members would have done that, but you didn't just sneak things in. I feel like if I hadn't brought up the fact that like yeah. she was actively dying and she needs some hydromorphone right. to or more comfortable, they, we just would never have given that. <laughs> and you wouldn't have even known to say that like you yeah. wouldn't have known I wouldn't yeah. have been yeah. like hey can you I mean maybe yeah. people would have eventually would have called and said you know she looks like like she's actively dying is there anything you know we can do but like because I know that my nurses in the hospital with a PRN hydromorphone order would have given hydromorphone long before we did I just <laughs> like yeah why do I have to jump in and be the medical person there but yeah I guess that maybe is just a something related to the the dying at home process as well so I don't know I think you're a pretty amazing person Simone and I know you've been through a lot first of all thank you for sharing that I don't even know I hope it was okay that I asked uh, about that yeah weirdly I can't relate because I'm not a I don't have the same kind of position as you in that regard but I remember when my dad was diagnosed I I didn't know anything about cancer and then I went and learned everything about cancer and I was reading these books and then I started my dad, when my dad was lamenting this or that might happen, I'd go and tell him, I'd be like, you know, I actually, here's why you might be okay. And here's all the, and he started looking to me. He still does this actually. I think he, and I, I, I feel this responsibility to like give the right answer to make him feel okay. Is that when you spiked his IV? Oh, I did. I told you about this. Didn't I? <laughs> no, this so was not. <laughs> You can take that out of the podcast, by the way. <laughs> Can I not say this? <laughs> I don't mind. I don't mind telling people. Yeah, I don't think it's gonna, it doesn't matter at this point. <laughs> you're not going to be arrested for that. Yet. No, it's no. fine at this point. <laughs> I don't think you'd be arrested. I mean, you already ran away to the U.S. No, you can't can't be arrested for it. I just am not sure it's the best thing to tell a bunch of people who are also concerned about the healthcare system and and feel (laughs) that ivermectin is... Oh, did you hear about the... Did I tell you guys about the teddy bear? No. What? The ivermectin teddy bear? No. (laughs) Can you tell us this? I'm... 
Yeah, oh yeah. What, teddy bear? So yeah, so I was actually working in Windsor that week, but there was a patient because obviously our ICU is full in Chatham of COVID patients. So they were sending this patient to one of the regional hospitals, which happened to be Windsor that day. And the patient arrived with some personal belongings, one of which was like a teddy bear. And so the nurse is like, you know, gathering the belongings because this is a, you know, sick patient in the ICU. They're not going to be like hugging their teddy bear. She notices that the, there's like a slit in the bear. Oh, is there ivermectin in the teddy bear? And then bear? she like, yeah. So she opened it up and there's ivermectin inside. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. So somebody like smuggled ivermectin into the hospital via a teddy bear. Couldn't they have just given it to them? Like that's craziness too. People did that too, Aya, by the way. But- oh. <laughs> for the record, there is a danger in taking something like ivermectin, especially at the wrong dosages and stuff for something like this. Yeah, it's a dose that you would give your horse. Like a horse? A yeah. yeah. Especially, you know, if you give Seems it to like a, a bit much. In my case, just to let you just to be clear about what it was, it wasn't ivermectin. It was. Uh... <laughs> oh, you're you're worried that people are gonna just like speculate now about <laughs> what we didn't say. No, and it wasn't me personally. I, again, my uh-huh. my dad was down to do all the you know chemo and everything he needed to do, and he's still doing low dose chemo. But in looking at alternative things on top of that, maybe there were things that were had mixed results out there. And one of those things was sodium ascorbate or ascorbic acid. Uh, like vitamin C, vitamin C treatment, Wait, which by the way, people have also been asking us to give them for COVID because huh. people think it's useful for everything. <laughs> I get it. They think it's didn't the guy who like really drove, I forget his name, but there was some researcher who claimed that like vitamin C fixed everything and claimed that it fixed maybe cancer and he died. I mean, of whatever he th- thought it cured. I shouldn't laugh at that, it's but very like, very good for scurvy. <laughs> well, that's true for scurvy. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so a high, from what I understand, high, you know, no ultra kidding. high dose, like in a petri dish, can help. But then again, anything high dose in a petri dish can help. So it's different in a petri dish. That said, one of the things about vitamin C trim when I was reading about that is you can kind of give really high doses without it doing anything to you for the most part. Like it makes you so a little- So it's not going to hurt you to try. It makes you a little cold and you have to pee. Because you just I mean, pee it out, right? Like, yeah, there's obviously a certain amount- that would be, you have renal function. Eventually, there's oh, a certain okay. amount that can really hurt you, right? But- I think at the level well, again, as long as your kidneys work, you, you should get out any excess. Yeah, as long as yeah. any water soluble vitamins. So non dialysis should be on taking high doses of vitamin C. So yeah, they decided to, you know, my aunts and I don't know, my family decided to do that on top of his chemo, but the, the hospital was like, Well, we can't you gotta do that outside of here. But my dad had to be in the hospital. We had no outside of there. And they wanted to do this too. So when, you know, the nurses and when they weren't looking, we we snuck vitamin C stuff into his IV bag. Yeah, I played a part in this. And, you know, I would like watch the door. You were the lookout. To see if anyone was, I was like the lookout. And, you know, then they put it in the bag and it's like a little yellow. It's like not fully. So then they're like trying to shake it up. So it still looks kind of clear. So hopefully no one notices. Probably nobody cares. They're like, yeah, okay. Add some yeah. vitamin C. No, they probably no, they would, would care because they, who probably knows, if something happens and someone could get sued. So, oh yeah. Like yeah. the nurse is responsible for what's in that IV bag. Exactly. Oh, yeah. a, exactly. Exactly. Guys. So at the time, everything seemed so high stakes. Like it's hard to explain now, but we did that again. I can't say that it helped, but at the moment I can't say that it hurt. So, so but see, it's interesting because when you say that, and obviously it's a different medical condition, in a different land and a different, you know, situation, but that's the same argument 
that people will tell us in the ICU that we should be giving their loved one vitamin C because yeah. it might work. And like, I could literally see yeah. the, you know, the patient's family who sent them with an ivermectin teddy bear, like doing the same thing if they had access to those materials yeah. right, for COVID. Yeah. And so it's interesting that it's harder for you to see that side of the, of the COVID argument, but you can it's not that I... see that your father oh i can see that side of the COVID argument though i'm not saying that there isn't i i'd understand when you're desperate if there's anything else you can try if there's even any little bit of results out there somewhere i do think ivermectin seems to from what i understood that could be more dangerous it's more dangerous than vitamin c from what i know oh, i could be wrong also like with the ivermectin teddy bear sorry josh but I'm curious, who did they think was going to give them the pills? Or was it even in pill form? Was it The just- teddy bear was going to do it. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, okay. I was just like, <laughs> this doesn't work logically. Either the teddy bear was going to do it or it's possible. So at, at that point, we were at the stage where, you know, people with COVID were not routinely allowed visitors, but it's possible that they would have made an oh, exception okay. for some reason. Okay. So like maybe the family would have just administered it if they okay. came in. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I just think, when you say I can't see the other side of the argument, it's not, I, I can see that, but I don't see it seeing it as like a replacement, especially. Okay, I got, there's people out there who try alternative stuff and won't do what's known to generally work. Yeah. It's the people who won't take the vaccine, but are willing to do yeah. ivermectin and all this other crap. And it's like, exactly. Just take the fucking vaccine. Yeah. If my dad was like, I'm not going to do chemo. I'm just going to do vitamin C. That would be insane. I'd have a big issue with that, but because he did right. chemo. I'm glad. And I read that vitamin <laughs> C wasn't probably going to do any harm. I didn't see the harm personally in that, although I can see why it would be- Did you be- do your own research? I see you did your own research, Josh. Sorry. I did do research, but of course I was also very pressured. Like I have a family- No, that- but it's just, that's also the phrase, like I did my research. I know that you, I'm just saying that is like a phrase that's used. I know, I know, I know. But some of the family of mine that was pushing that are also now these ones that are anti-vaccine and stuff. So- That's a through line. Go straight from vitamin C in an IV to ivermectin. Yeah. It's a slippery slope. I need to talk to less people <laughs> like them and more people like Simone is what I've determined <laughs> so what we're doing right now yeah. yeah yeah I like that when in talking to you Simone I feel like it's we're talking to a friend but we're talking to an authority as well and you are an authority on this subject and again it's people like you that I think should be on the cover of magazines and not these celebrities who do stupid shit I really don't want to be on the cover of any magazine Aww, I understand yeah the best so I know the best people <laughs> don't want to apparently but <laughs> Should be still. Josh is like fangirling. It's actually frightening if these people know who you are, particularly in a small place like this one. So like our medical officer of health, some people must have known his address just because they know him because he lives in the community. People were like protesting in front of his house. Oh my God. Not like his place of work. Who is this? Who? Our local public health officer, basically. Oh, like because of vaccines or mask mandates yes, or something? Because of all, sh- you know, whatever, you know, he's done, whatever policies he put in place to try and protect oh. the population. Somebody's upset about it. Did you have people protesting outside your hospital at all? Or I didn't. I never saw any protesters outside our hospital. It's good, at least. But as bad as that would be, I can't imagine being in that place where somebody is like standing outside my house, yeah. like protesting. That's horrible. Something that I've done to, yeah. pr- you know, to protect the, that's crazy. I think my brother was telling me about some of this stuff, being a nurse there and seeing, I don't know. Yeah, well, Vic did. There's precedent for that down at Vic. So when I was in medical school, one of my preceptors, I was a gynecologist for one of my small group things. And he, I don't know if he's retired now, but he was one of the doctors who did like abortions for many, many years. And he actually still is one, at least again, unless he's retired now, that was doing one of the earlier 
you know, Aya and I did a whole episode on abortion. You should definitely listen to that one. First. <laughs> I <laughs> will. But <laughs> yeah, so this doctor was like, you know, I used to go to work in a bulletproof vest. <gasps> oh my God. Oh my God. People, are- people would be standing outside the hospital property with guns waiting to, you know, attack you because you're performing abortions. So crazy. It's amazing the rabbit holes people go down and you end up literally it's opposite land. Like, <laughs> And it's like at least pre-COVID or pre like all the craziness with the COVID protests and all that stuff that started yeah. happening like a year ago. There were almost always protesters on the corner of Wellington and yeah. Wellington commissioners <sighs> right outside the hospital. Always like these <laughs> anti-abortion protesters. I always just wanted to like, I know this is terrible and nobody should do this or condone any kind of violence, but I was always like, what if I just like beep, like turn into them? Like, what would happen? They're right next to a hospital. They'll still, oh my know. God. <laughs> but then you have <laughs> to give fun. Simone more work, basically. I know. I'm not a trauma doctor. No, I would never do that. I, I, I would never do this. It's just, what's that? I said, I'm not a trauma doctor. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Never mind. Not Simone, just our buddies. <laughs> yeah. No, so it's okay. Again, I just wanted to thank you for all the work you do. And yes, I was joking that I'm fangirling out, but a little bit. I do. I really do. And I, when I talk to people like you, I don't, we should make it a thing that it gets that kind of attention. Yeah, because no, again, right. the amount of work that you do, it's not something to be like, oh, it's just another like a doc. No, that's cream of the crop of noble jobs out there. No, you're right. And I'm sorry. I was I was being a bit like I was trying to be silly. You know how I make my jokes. I know. I know. I know it's a little cringy. Do you have to hear me? I'm being a little. Also, like I dated a doctor for years and his doctor friends. And I just remember they would make these <laughs> jokes that made me like really lose some respect. Like they one of them made a joke about a, a patient like circling the drain. And I was like. These are humans and you're making like these really callous jokes. No, but there's a lot of dark humor, right? To have to do. I understand that. And I know that there were, I'm sure there were lovely people and good doctors. I just, I don't know. I saw that maybe I spent enough time that I was like, whatever. Are you saying that you basically got a prejudice against doctors because of that? No, I don't have a prejudice (laughs) against doctors. I just remember like, I found doctor talk a little bit traumatizing because I was like, wow, I thought you guys like. I thought you were in this to help people. And now you're just joking about these shitty- It's like Dr. House. You don't have to like or say nice things about the people you're saving. You just have to save their lives. Yeah, I guess so. But yeah. <laughs> you no, know, honestly, though, people appreciate, I think whether or not it's the right thing, people appreciate more if you, for example, take the time to explain what's going on. Mm. Even if you don't know as much as the next doctor, if that doctor just like came in and left, it was like, here's your medication versus you sat down and explained what you think the medication might do and why you think it might help or might not. I love when doctors explain that stuff to me. I'm like, yeah, yeah. teach me. Yeah, exactly. I need to know. Right. Yeah. But that takes time. <laughs> mm. And you don't get paid extra for that. Well, I mean, it's actually part of what you're supposed to do, but, you know, everybody manages things a bit differently. But so people appreciate that more. So like you could be a mediocre doctor, but like Mm. communicate a lot with patients and they'll actually appreciate that more, even if their outcomes aren't necessarily the same. So you're saying House Mm -hmm. isn't an ideal doctor? Uh, no. What do you mean? He saves lives. <laughs> ultimately. Save I would rather have everything explained he to me. He saves them at the last minute. That's mean. <laughs> yes. He swoops in and saves them. But, you know, a lot of, most of, I know he gets most of his information from like creeping in people's bathrooms and like breaking <laughs> into their houses. But in house? Yeah. I get most of my information from actually talking to the person, mm. right? History is like 90%. You're right. You need to be able to have good bedside manners. <laughs> That's so funny. You're right. If you don't actually get along with people, how are you going to find out what's wrong with Yeah. By the way, 
Did you know that the creator of House Simone is from London, Ontario? I uh, know, I didn't know that. Did you know he's a Jew? He's from the Jewish community in London, Ontario. No. It's David Shore. He actually spoke at the JCC there not that long ago. And I met him. Marnie Richmond introduced me to him in my first year when I came down to LA. Interesting. And I actually had coffee with him and he gave me really oh cool terrible advice. Cool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was like okay. looking for some like optimism for what I was about to do and he did not give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's what you needed it's like sometimes you just have to know when to give up hey, that's not bad advice <laughs> it's terrible advice i if you're passionate about something josh hint hint i understand no. that it might be realistic <laughs> advice <laughs> i'm like that sounds like the creator of misanthropic house yeah exactly what would you expect yeah well thank you so so much simone this was awesome it was awesome to see you and yeah. it was awesome to ask you all these questions yeah, i know josh has been like really really itching to like oh i want to get i need to get simone on to talk about healthcare i need i need to i have so many questions for her that i want to share i also just wanted to talk to you again i really any excuse to talk to you and hang out more because i know you guys were like best friends in elementary school but you know i gotta start now so <laughs> i feel sad that that <laughs> ended like i'm sad that that didn't You're but i mean i'm sure i was welcome to come to chat him anytime thank you i came once you can bring your cat with you <gasps> yeah you did yeah okay and you're welcome to come to london anytime i mean Ariel's not here. Where is Ariel? She's in Hamilton. Montreal. Montreal. Your sister. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She's getting married in September. <gasps> oh, congratulations. Hey, to Max. Yeah. Oh, I remembered his name. Okay, <laughs> nice. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And she's awesome. And I think she listens to this. She has. Oh, <laughs> I remember hearing that. I'll have to tell her that I'm on an episode. She's definitely going to listen to this one. <laughs> Don't tell her. That'll be even funnier. She'll be like, oh, I saw that. I noticed my sister's on an episode. See if she's still listening. That's so funny. But yeah, it was awesome to get to talk to you again. Thanks for listening to another episode of Adulthood Friends. If you enjoyed this, please follow us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you like to listen. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc. Really anywhere you like to listen. I really like listening to it on etc. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's my favorite platform. Okay. All right. Josh. I think that's probably a thing, isn't it? Probably. probably. There's like an app. I'm picturing a logo of something that's called Etc. Oh, you're right. Yeah. I don't know. If it's it's got to be something. I don't know if it's a music or podcast platform. No, it's probably not a music anything. Okay, <laughs> so I should clarify. We're not on Etc. I was saying Etc. As in <laughs> the rest of the listening platforms. The Latin phrase. In- yes, exactly. Yeah. ETC period. I still don't know if we've been clear enough. I I think you should clarify even further. <laughs> uh... ivermectin josh ivermectin <laughs> what about vitamin I, c i'm i'm not a horse <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh as a horse i would love ivermectin and yeah help it deworm me <laughs> it would be funny if the ivermectin teddy bear was an ivermectin horse like a trojan horse it's like a trojan oh horse God. for ivermectin literally a trojan horse yeah. if it was a teddy horse like a, and it's, a horse bear uh, yeah teddy, teddy bear, horse. but if it were a horse also because it's horse medicine yeah. it's a little bit there there's a lot of stuff going on there like layers there's a layer of jokes you so just many layers got there <laughs> for sure we should stop talking